0: Hey everyone, welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Matthew Rodriguez.
1: And I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And today we are joined, we are doing one of our first in person podcasts in forever um, with one person sitting next to us. And that special guest is.
2: Michael Verratti. Hello everyone.
1: And our other guest, who both are now official Scoobies after this episode, is. Collins, man. Yay. Um, it's both your third episode, so that's exciting. I love a rule of three.
0: <laughs> the power of three times three. Oh my god. That's I, a different show. I love a charmed crossover. This is a Buffy charmed no. crossover <laughs> episode. <I'm
2: laughs> straight up the Holly Marie
0: Combs of this episode. You would be Holly Marie Combs. <laughs> you would be your are Milano. Your I'd be Alissa, Rose McGowan. You're <laughs> Alyssa Milano. Um, are you think,
1: Rose McGowan?
0: I think I'm always Rose McGowan, All right. and I think uh, that makes you Shannon Doherty, con Oh,
3: I've never watched the show, so well, I know she's crazy in real life. So. But she's powerful.
0: But she's the only one who has like an active power, so it's cool. It's true. In yeah. the beginning, when they don't yet know how to fight demons, she's the only one who can actually do anything. I feel like no, that's,
3: that's the... useful. Is what you're
0: saying? <laughs> no, you're the only useful one. Was that what you said? Excellent.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're the useful one. I feel like those powers and that, I only watched that show with my mother and I feel like their powers were just, it was like, oh, sometimes they can do karate. Alyssa Milano
0: learned how to do karate because she didn't have an active power. And over time, Holly Marie Combs' power evolved because scientifically what happened was that when she was freezing people, she was actually stopping their molecules and over time her power evolved so that she could actually speed up molecules and make
2: them explode. Wasn't she also a short order, like, or sous chef at some, like, fancy restaurant? She was a chef, Yeah. That to me is exciting. I love people who make food.
1: Like the character was in the show? Yeah, she's... Yeah. Oh. Holla Marie is
2: not making us
1: <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe that's what she and did then pre
0: she was mom in Pretty Little Liars. That's right. Anyway, today we are here to talk about um, the episode Doomed of Buffy Season 4. Yeah, And what a doozy. What a doozy. Um, Finally. So, I mean, obviously this is the episode right after we come back from Hush and it starts right after
1: i really like that it does that like it starts right where it left off yeah they don't do
0: that a lot on the show unless there is like a specific to be continued
1: i feel like season five is one of the only times where they do that where they're not all be continued but it's one right after the other
0: right can i ask you something about the tv world michael sure would they continue filming into the next script or would
2: they actually come back a week later same wardrobe same blah blah blah, and then start shooting Okay, I mean, normally when you do an arc of a season and you're doing writing, what would happen is these episodes would have been planned in advance, so that sequence where uh, Buffy and Riley are still seated on the bed was likely shot while they were shooting the previous week's episode. Okay. Okay. Uh, Because you would want to maintain the continuity and the energy of the scene. Right. Uh, So, yes, I mean, by the time you ever see an episode of television or an episode is shot they are usually planned three or four episodes in advance. Okay. So for something like this, if they knew that it was a continuation of the previous week, how we would shoot it would literally it would be that. So I guarantee that they shot this while they were shooting hush.
1: Cuz I always wonder how that works with contracts. Cuz then wouldn't that count as like I don't know. Like I, I always wonder that with like Netflix shows with contracts, like can they just film all at once and like They do. They like, do. for
2: example, a series of unfortunate events, which uh, is just about to drop the second season, they actually shot season two and three in tandem oh. because those kids are gonna grow up and they wanted to catch them before that they makes... like showed visible signs of aging. That makes but sense. um those actors were all contracted anyway, so it's not like they're not getting paid necessarily per episode. Of course, there's a per episode right yeah, break, breakdown. But, yeah but you know, if you're Sarah Michelle Geller and you're signed on to seasons four of Buffy. You're doing all 22 episodes anyway, because you're the title character, so of course. Right. Like, the only difference, like, and I don't know how this works, because I'm not really sure, like, at the time, you're talking, like, the late 90s, Mark Lucas in Hush was still a guest star. Yeah. Whereas in Doomed joins the regular cast at the opening credits. So there might have been like a wage differential there, but that's a question for him. I yeah. really it. Yeah, so. Well, we'll tell you when we get Mark
0: Blukas on the show. Yeah. Um, there's a small window to get him on. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: But I do, so one thing I wanted to talk about with this scene was we've talked about this, like the buildup of the Buffy-Wirely relationship in a lot of ways has been one of season four's weak writing points. Like yes. their scenes are not well developed. Mm-hmm. But I actually feel like this scene is very emotional and authentic. Like, it's one of the first times that I actually feel like they're talking to each other and not to just, like, two actors
2: saying words. Yeah. All right, that's fair, yeah.
1: What do you think, Colin?
2: Yeah, Colin.
3: I agree with everything that has been said so far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I do really like this scene because, like you said, they actually, after not speaking and not addressing who or what they are, they kind of start breaking into it but I hate that Riley just goes like who are you and then she's like well she makes her snide remark and then it's like what about you and he's like oh no I can't tell you anything about myself I
1: like, she so says so Capricorn cusp of Aquarius because that makes me really happy because I'm Aquarius cusp of Capricorn um, so. well what's great
2: is this pre-credits though actually gave us one of the most quoted lines of the series even though it's not in terms of the pantheon of the series one of the most memorable episodes because I see Slayer comma the yeah, utilized more yeah. often than a lot of quotes in the show, and it came from this episode. It came from this before even the credits rolled. So
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I I love everything about their. I think it's like you said. I think it's one of their best. Like it was one of a few moments where I was actually totally buying them. Like I right. did buy them, and I I mean I guess maybe that's the point almost where like oh look they work better once you can they can both be their both true superhero self. Right. Then they can both, like... And their relationship does go from there. I mean, it goes weird places, but it goes. um, And it's clearly started. Um,
0: Well, in, in watching this episode, and I want us to talk about this a lot, I think that this episode is really good about the work that it takes to start a relationship or make a relationship work. Absolutely. And there are parts in this episode where where Sarah Michelle plays it like she doesn't want it to work out. Yeah. You know, like there's many times where Buffy is saying and Sarah's playing it in a way that it seems like by the end of the episode, they would give up, even though from the credits, we know that Mark Lucas is now not, the regular. Yeah, but... <laughs> and that kind of gives it away in the way that <laughs> the, the credits kind of don't help the arc of the plot. Sure. But um, it's about like all that work that it takes. And, and I think that like this opening scene does that so well.
2: No, I agree, and I think that what's interesting, too, is that we've all, in the world of dating, I mean, obviously, like, when you discuss your your dating life, we all want to kind of be the hero of every story, but the truth is, when you're out in the world of dating, sometimes you are the hero, and sometimes you are the villain. Like, it's just like the world of, like, interacting with other people, and I think that if you've been dating long enough, (laughs) which is a sad story, uh... (laughs) There have been those relationships that you resist from the get-go because yeah. you have your own reasons, and it may have nothing to do with the other person. And um, I really think that Sarah Michelle Gellar sells that thing. Like, outside of being the supernatural character, outside of being a superhero, there's a reality to it that's very base that we've all... Like living our lives, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship or whatever, have been in a scenario where we kind of are trying to reject what's in front of us, despite the reality of the situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I also really love, it. I mean, we'll probably get into this more, but I love that like the side plot is like this earthquake, the apocalypse. I love. And I this was one of my favorite things about season 1 is when they do things that are like clearly like hey this is like a big sign the apocalypse is coming and they do the earthquake and Riley's very Riley about it he's like oh this is my first earthquake oh get in the like doorway and he's like that's awesome this is my first one and she's like not mine because the last time she fucking died there was an earthquake right. um and I really like it brought me back to like the stuff I loved about the earlier seasons cuz you know as we've said before they kind of cut out the whole prophecy, the whole yeah. like indicators sure. of apocalypse—they kind of like get rid of that, um, and I really like. The throwback. Well,
0: yeah, it's—I mean, not many episodes throw back to season one. Yeah, so this one doing it, and also from like a writing perspective, like they actually fit the A and B plot into the pre the pre credits, which is pretty cool. Right? That is That's true. Where, yeah, sure.
2: yeah.
0: Um, so I really was interested in this conversation because we talked about when we did the initiative episode, like how little we get an outside perspective on Buffy, and it was cool to see Forrest and Riley talk about the Slayer like she doesn't exist. Yes. <laughs> or, I mean, Riley knows she's, she exists, but Forrest to talk about her like she doesn't exist.
3: I yeah. thought that was just, like, really interesting. Right. Colin? Sorry. <laughs> there was some <laughs> weird noise going on in the background here. It
0: was a uh, helicopter. We're doing this live. So yeah, in L.A.,
1: so there's a helicopter. LA, there's a
0: helicopter. There's always it's on. a helicopter. Yeah. Um, where were we? <laughs> we were talking about um, the forest thinking that Buffy was a myth.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I do like that he kind of relates the fact that she's like this boogeyman character that obviously isn't real like the Easter Bunny. <laughs> and I don't think anywhere it says the Easter Bunny is real in Buffy, but later on we find out that Santa Claus is real. Therefore, I feel like the Easter Bunny is probably also real.
1: Yeah, towards
3: <laughs> so, being like, oh, Anya she's obviously a mythical thing, bunny? and it's like everything mythical is real in this universe.
1: You're right. I don't know. I don't know if Anya comments I on feel this. Because like she comments on Santa Claus?
0: Right. I feel like when she says Santa is real, she's saying that the Easter Bunny is not real,
2: or the Tooth Fairy.
1: Yeah,
0: I forget which one. Which is
2: ironic because Emma Caulfield was in uh, Darkness Falls, which is about the Tooth, Tooth Fairy. Fairy. So. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, watch Timer on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag watch Timer on Netflix.
1: That's one of those movies I keep meaning to watch, and I've had like non-Buffy people be like, oh my god, I'm a Cropfield from Buffy's in it, you'll love it, and I just keep forgetting oh, just it. Oh, I just want
0: to say shout out to Timer, because Timer predated the Black Mirror episode this season. That is trying to be the same thing. Oh, really? It, it reminded me a
2: lot of Timer when I watched it. Did you watch Black Mirror this season? I didn't. I'm, I'm always behind on TV. Oh. The, the shocking truth of writing television is you don't get to... Mm-hmm. Very often. Well, yeah. I I'm just now discovering that there's like a third season of Commitment. So <laughs> there's
0: a there's a there's an episode of Black Mirror this season where it's like two, it's like a computer program puts people together mm-hmm. and like you have no say in it and like people are fight are trying to resist like who they're paired with even though the computer's telling them who they're best with oh, and okay. which is very much like Timer. It's like the good place where
2: they choose your soulmate for you.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Um, So, Michael and I discussed this. So, after the earthquake, Buffy goes to see Giles. And we were discussing this before we recorded. That scene is really poorly dubbed. The whole scene with Buffy and Giles. Yes, it is. Like, distractingly bad. And, like, there are a lot of scenes that they do dubbing. But, like, also Giles sounds weird. Like, it feels like he has a cold, so maybe they raise the whatever up on it. There was a helicopter. And Yeah, maybe there was a <laughs> helicopter. Um,
2: well, it's clear there are sound issues, because normally when you would record a scene like that, you would do, you know, both people's sides, and you would, like, a quickly cut away to get their reaction shot, but you would mostly focus on the speaker. But there are scenes where Giles, talking about the earthquake or whatever... Is looking at a book and we're only seeing Buffy yeah. while Giles is talking, which tells me some audio corruption had to have happened with Athletes' short heads audio because they only show Sir Michelle Geller's sides. And it's like, but it's also they didn't do an audio sound design on it because he is in a totally different room than she is. Like, there's <laughs> like this whole other sound. It's one of the... It, well, you know what? I wonder...
0: Because I think it's one of the first scenes that... Well, there's one, I think, in The Freshman, but it's one of the only scenes that like fully takes place in that little courtyard of his. Right. And I wonder if they tried something new and they were just like, oh, it failed and it was bad. Because there's not many scenes that take place in outside in of the, his house yeah. in that little courtyard. I am not big fan found Giles' bachelor pad. I don't think it gets enough love over the course <laughs> of the series. It doesn't. I think it's... Well, because, I mean, it's kind of... Giles is someone who lives in his own little box, and the people come to visit him. Right. And first it's the library, and then his bachelor pad, and then it's eventually it's the magic box. Right. Um, and I think the bachelor pad is underused.
2: But I like the bachelor pad because, I don't know, this may be terrible, but I just like to think of Giles as an active sexual adult living his best life. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, like, seasons four and five, before the magic box happens, I'm like, yes, Giles. You get your life. (laughs) It should not be just about teenagers. You get those single ladies of Sunnydale. You make your magic happen. When we reboot Buffy, Giles is gay
0: and on Grinder, and his bachelor pad constantly has people coming and going.
2: I want to be Giles
1: in the gay Grinder remake. (laughs) Gay Grinder remake.
0: (laughs) 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 Next, we go to that little party scene where Willow sees Percy. Oh my god i I love a good throwback. I did love the Percy callback. That girl that he was with is rude. Yeah. She looks like one
1: of the potentials. She looks like one of the potentials. The Latina one. Yes, she does. Um yeah, she was rude. Um and I felt really bad for Willow cuz like I feel like we've all been there where it's like, "Oh, you're feeling you're like feeling more adult, you're feeling confident and then like someone from your past can like make you feel like garbage and you're just like, "Oh." And, like, he called her a nerd, and she, she, like, I love that she brings that up, like, a hundred times. <laughs>
3: what I don't get is, he obviously knew she was stood right next to him. Like, yeah. she was two feet away, he, she's still there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, why is he such a dick? Because last time they, like, truly interacted, it was Vampire Will, and she kicked the crap out of him.
1: And then they, like, right? saved the high school together. Or, like, right, they up. were
3: all in it together, like, I'd be like, oh...
0: Funny story, me and me and this girl, Willow, actually saved everyone in yeah. Sunnydale
2: from dying.
0: We
1: blew up our school because there was a demon. Like, <laughs> like y'all would have been dead.
2: <laughs> the show does this thing, which I call the Scully Effect, where people in Sunnydale fucking see stuff every week. And the next week, it's just like... What what was this? I'm like, it's a monster. Do you not remember what happened last week? There was a giant snake at graduation. (laughs) Like, it's just like that was always a problem with The X Files, where, like, six seasons in, Scully's like, but science. I'm like, Scully, get together.
1: It's funny, I was just talking about that today with one of our other Scoobies, Adam Sass, how, like, that's one of my biggest issues with The X Files, which I loved it when it was on. Mm -hmm. But like they have literally met aliens and monsters so many times that it's like, what what is there to deny? Like, I get if she hadn't actually met these monsters and go- they were they've been yeah. to haunted houses. I mean, and, like... and as someone
2: who was a very devoted X Files fan from like the day it debuted in nineteen ninety three, Scully gets <laughs> abducted at the end yes. of season three. So it's sort of just like I love that show, but there's just this thing, and there would be no Buffy <laughs> on television if there was not an X Files. I agree. wanted like. X-Files meets 90210 when Buffy yeah. debuted and it's just like in it- there's a point where Scully just—it's like, yes, yeah, Scully, it's a monster. It's okay. Like if
1: I were Mulder, I'd be like, I can't speak to you anymore because <laughs> you're actively denying. <laughs> yeah, you've seen. right. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> we cannot speak or work together because, like, you see a monster and then say maybe it wasn't a monster. <laughs> like, but the true monster of
2: the show is Mulder. I will maintain it. He brings her down to his. Oh, level. he does. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm not for these men ruining the lives of good women. <laughs>
1: Anyway, back to Buffy.
0: <laughs> so, we're at the, at the parties where we first see the demon who is trying to yes. end the world. I don't know if they really explain why he's at the frat party.
1: Um, I just need needed the blood the, of a man. Yeah, he just needed the blood of a man. Any man?
3: Any man. man so he went to a crowded hot, uh, college party. A price. shirtless
0: frat boy who's playing naked limbo.
1: I know. I was like, ooh,
0: look, we've all been there.
1: <laughs> Have we, Michael?
0: I went to a Jesuit college that did not have frats.
2: <laughs> I wasn't in a frat, but I had a good time in college.
0: I went
1: to a state college and commuted, so <laughs> I went
2: to college with a previous guest of yours.
1: Oh yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Colin naked limbo frat parties anything?
3: Uh I don't think I was ever at a frat party. I don't we don't really have frats here. Oh, that's right, you're in Canada. I don't yeah, I don't speak for the rest of Canada, but there's no Greek system here in St. John's, so mm. there's no like.
1: In the utopian society known as Canada, they've outlawed frat parties. Good, good, good. Um, yeah. Canada, Canada is too delicious.
3: much of a drain on our universal health care with all the murders
1: and <laughs> fuck humans, off. So, um, and then I feel bad for Willow because not only does she get called a nerd, but then she has to find the dead body. I mean, she's seen a lot of dead bodies. I, know, I
3: don't know what she's freaking out. <laughs> I had that written down when I was watching it. Like, she's witnessed a lot of death.
1: In the past, but four wasn't years. his like chest open, kind of like no, he was
3: open, just cut and
0: carved into any you know, like, in and he, you know
1: that, <laughs> that old thing. We've all seen people do into
3: standard everyday Sunnydale.
0: I don't know, but also, did she get in the bed and not realize he was there? Yes, that is what really gets me like, girl, That's how dark was it like that like you got into this bed and didn't realize there was another <laughs> cold human body in there waiting for you? It looked they made it look as if she was like. Like, she cuddled up next to it or something and just, like, didn't realize. <laughs> um, so why
1: not just
3: leave the party? What? Why doesn't she just leave the party? Wait, she's all, she like, was feeling upset? upset, so
0: she's like, oh,
1: let me sleep in some rando's bed. What <laughs> if they
3: had come back?
1: Yeah, I feel like that's, like, a recipe to her disaster anyway. Um, but so, I... Go ahead. I was gonna say, but I do love when Buffy's interviewing her, and Buffy's like, was it a vampire? And, like, whispers... And Willow's like, no, there was so much blood, and they carved, and Percy called me a nerd. And Buffy's like, Percy called you a nerd? I know. Like, I love that. The most important part. Of the <laughs> movie. It's the part they talk about the most. <laughs> like, that's a very, like, Whedon beat, I feel like. Right?
0: Uh, one of the things um, that's very season four for me, I mean, Buffy in general, but very season four, is, like, right after Willow, like, discovers a dead body is when they go to, like, the funny scene between Xander and Spike. Which I do love. And Spike has the Hawaiian shirt on, and he like has that he's deep like, don't voice, look at and me. you think that he's like about to attack Xander or something, but <laughs> right. he's just wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Also,
1: Xander looks good in a tank top. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah,
0: but he's wearing like that terrible hat. That terrible hat.
1: No, Xander's not. He puts it on once he puts on the jacket, but he's not wearing. He's just wearing the tank top at first. I
2: don't. Maybe it's because I was wishing he was dead. Uh, <laughs> but also, Spike says a gay slur. Or, like, he calls him a bloody poof.
0: Poof. Yes. Yeah.
1: Spike says it a couple of times throughout the series. Which is
2: weird, because it's later established, I think somewhere in season yes. seven, that Spike and Angel have, like, bumped ugly. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I think it's in season five of
1: Angel. It is in season five of Angel. It's in an Angel, it's not yeah. Buffy. Okay. He says, well, except for that one time. But and Matthew doesn't like it. I love maybe, it. Maybe,
2: maybe it's, like, internalized by phobia. Oh. I feel like that sentence launched a thousand fanfics. That my live journal self was here for. (laughs) Round
0: robin. Who who do you think topped and bottomed Spike and Angel?
1: Uh, Colin, you first. Uh,
3: (laughs) I would say Angel was the bottom.
1: Ooh, Ooh. I would say their verse, but I would say I would say Spike was the bottom.
2: I would also say Spike is the bottom, because when uh, Angel is Angelus, he's fucking ferocious. Yeah. And no, he
3: was the bottom, I one, have
2: seen it. some ferocious bottoms in
0: my day. <laughs> from some, I actually said voracious because I combined the words ferocious and voracious. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm into it. Sure. Verocious. <laughs> um,
2: but I'm actually going to agree with Colin and say Angel, so we're a split. Oh. All right, actually, I'm going to step in and say Drusilla topped them both. Pegging, oh, the world of pegging.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, there is no doubt they, in my so, mind.
2: So actually, when they say that they hooked up,
0: they were both bottoming for Drusilla. Yeah, and or they like were in a threesome with Drusilla, where she. Well, them. I
1: imagine it's like the oh porn god, I'm fanning myself. The porn pyramid, and like Drusilla and Darla are pegging them on either end, and then Spike and Angel are kissing. And I just wrote a fanfic that I'm into, well, yeah, like an Eiffel <laughs>
3: Tower, but they like they never it's hooked like, up with Darla and Drusilla at the same time because. Oh my god! I think it, it's in an Angel episode. I think it's when they're. The immortal is in it yeah
1: isn't that where they find out they did hook up darla and
3: drusilla talk about how they like slept together with him and angel gets upset that they never got to do it
1: oh well i mean maybe that's the thing is that they were just
0: like all sleeping with each other as they but not like what an Anne
2: rice move that all lesbians are like Uh, not all lesbians (laughs) redo. (laughs) redo what an Anne rice move that all vampires are sexually fluid
1: yeah, I mean, well, you're right, you know what, in my brain I always think of vampires as sexually fluid, and it's, be- I'm probably because of vampires. Well,
0: I feel like there's, I mean, when you, not, it's, I'm not saying that, I'm not demonizing queer sexuality, but I think that, like, when you lose your humanity or whatever, like, there's also, like, you lose that second guessing about, like, repressing who you or, are. Or, like, and and being, that, like, self I think it's a like, comment on, we're all just supposed to be fucking each other. Yeah, yeah. And, like, we might, like, repress parts of that because of society, blah, blah, And because they, like... Once you're a vampire, you're outside of those rules. Vampires must love Palm Springs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Imagine using poppers as a vampire. That's that's where where I I went.
1: I I, I couldn't imagine what it would do as a vampire. Take
0: a whiff of terror. (laughs) So, Xander and Spike have this, like, um, confrontation... I really enjoy that scene. And he says, you know, so we said Spike calls him a bloody poof. And I feel like Xander, like, lays into Spike, but I feel like he's, like, projecting. Because he calls him a waste of space and says that he's not worth it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, like, Xander's inner struggle in season four. Right. And that he's, like, projecting onto Spike. I actually,
1: I actually really enjoy, and I mean, you know, it's in Hush 2, I enjoy the scenes of Xander and Spike having to live together. Because we've talked about this before, how on the show we don't get a lot of any of the friends interacting much without outside of Buffy. Yeah. We don't get a lot of that. So I actually do enjoy, even though Xander isn't my favorite, I do enjoy watching him. You know, the only scenes we get of him or Willow interacting with people without Buffy are usually the romantic side. Mm-hmm. And I kind of enjoy watching him and Spike, even though they fucking hate each other. That makes it better. Like, for me, it's more enjoyable to watch. Um... And I read lots of fanfic about hate sex with them, um, and so that a wild place. I know, right?
0: Um, <laughs> I I sorry. Side note. <laughs> side note. I was reading something today. I forget what it was. It was like a Jezebel article, and oh, they were talking about like some racist or sexist meme on the internet, mm. and the sentence said like on the internet, comma, which was a mistake. (laughs) it was like my favorite sentence that I've ever read. (laughs) (laughs) I always believed
2: the internet era led us to understand that everyone hates everything always, forever.
0: Yeah, we didn't really know
2: hatred until the internet started.
0: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh. Um, Yeah. And then there's also... Uh, Spike trying to so no Xander and Spike I think it's an interesting like this point this episode is like an interesting fulcrum in their relationship mm-hmm. because they do have all this like I hate you they hate yeah. each other but they have to live together it's a very odd couple yeah Um, without the heartwarming they kind of actually love each other <laughs> Um, and then eventually like he's also going to be mad at Spike because Spike gets to sleep with Buffy and stuff like that yeah and Anya and Anya That's right. That's a way later problem. It is way later, (laughs) but I I think that the show is very good at like laying seeds for things later because I wrote a note. Oh, well, I mean, we'll get to it later, but Spike lays some good seeds in this episode. Um, Okay, let's get back to Buffy and Riley. Yes. They have that conversation where they have, they're talking in public about being a Slayer and they have to use... um, And fry cooks. The fry cooks. (laughs) Shout out to SpongeBob. Which premiered this year on in the in the in the Buffy World, 'cause this is ninety mm. Oh, and SpongeBob premiered ninety nine. Maybe that's where they got the inspiration from. It's possible. Ninety nine,
2: this is the year Jawbreaker came out.
0: Yes.
1: I love that movie.
0: I thought you didn't like that movie. No, I
1: fucking love that movie.
0: Do you not like the ending?
1: No, the ending's one of my favorite endings of anything oh, ever. Okay.
0: I thought I really had pegged you as someone. Who didn't for some reason? I was, like, that was just bringing it back to Rose McGowan
2: from the beginning.
1: Of any the uh, any ending that's a comeuppance like gives me a boner, and like Jawbreaker and Cruel Intentions for me are like two movies with like fucking perfect endings because I love that like the downfall of a villain, but like in such a gratifying way.
0: I was tweeting about Cruel Intentions today because someone had said something about it, and including Reese Witherspoon and. Oh, because, anyway, it was about Reese Witherspoon, and I was like, if you really think about it, like, Reese Witherspoon only gives, like, probably the fifth best performance in that movie. Yeah. Number oh, totally one right. is SummerShell Yeah. And then it's Christine
2: Baranski. <laughs> and then numbers three f- through ten are Susie Kurtz, and her <laughs> surprise cameo. As her three, like, how could you be so stupid?
0: <laughs> <then> it's, like, <laughs> Susie Kurtz, and then, um, Selma Joshua Bl- Jackson.
1: Selma Blair is good, too.
0: Selma
2: Blair's never been good in her life. <gasps> Oh my god. I once to my mom that Suzy was short for Suzanne, and
1: she did <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Swoozie
3: Kurtz but you can call, call me Suzanne, Suzanne Kurtz. Uh.
1: Call in these men. No, i None
3: of them mentioned Ryan Phillippe's part
0: as I right, Ryan Phillippe rude. is the worst performance in that movie. He there are extras so who outact him.
1: But his butt, isn't it? His butt is, is fantastic. His
0: butt does a better job than he does.
1: And his scene where his sister's giving him a hand job is very sexy. Sam Rashad-Geller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, period. <laughs> oh. Have you not seen it? I saw oh, that it came out. I was like, yeah, that was like, you should, no, because the way you you said it as if you had not seen it. No,
2: I was just reacting to the sentence his sister giving him a handjob.
0: Well, that's what it is. Well are they steps?
1: They're step-siblings. Step siblings. Yeah, siblings. Yeah. Whatever.
2: They're unrelated brothers.
1: I watch a lot of porn. It's fine. Gosh. <laughs>
2: Again, I say, oh, period.
1: <laughs> Michael is judging me on this podcast. So anyway, Buffy anyway.
0: does tell Riley that he's crossing a line and I actually think Riley's being a huge dick. I mean, not... Specifically... Like, in that conversation where he says that she's self-involved, that she loves to be in a dark place, that she... And he, like, is being, I think, really harsh on her. I don't know. I just feel like this is a conversation that you can have in any WB soap, you know, but I feel like when you're dealing with life and death-like monsters, like, she's allowed to have these feelings... And sure. he's acting like she's not talking about that's, life and
1: death. I mean, that's the difference, is that, like, if it were a real-life setting, that conversation makes more sense, but when it's someone who's literally saving the world, like, in this episode, when they say it's an apocalypse or it's the end of the world, they say, oh, again? Like, and if it's that person, they're maybe allowed to be a little, like, self-involved and a little, like... Well, that's the
0: thing, is, like, the reason, tomorrow, I, the reason that Buffy's dialogue in all of Buffy makes sense to me, because, like... The thing that people make fun of for soap dialogue sometimes is that it's, like, so over the top. But sure. it's not over the top when you actually give a young girl, like, the weight of the world on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And that's what, like, what
3: makes this kind of dialogue okay. I forgot where I was going with
1: that. What were you we going to say, Colin?
3: I was going to say, to Riley's credit in this scene, he doesn't know anything about that. He only that's just true. learned. Right. He only knows that she's what? His so, like, in his mind, he sees it the same way that the Initiative does it, that, like, okay she probably fought five or six vampires this month.
0: That's right.
1: not really that bad. That's true. Because...
3: And
0: he doesn't know about, like... I mean, also, she's a vampire slayer, but, like, and he doesn't know that that's, or, there's also other things that she knows about,
3: like, blowing up yeah. her school and killing the person she loves. <laughs> yeah. Well, <It> she <laughs> makes subtle reference to that with her office romance stuff. <laughs> yeah. But there was a point earlier at the, in the first scene where, he, like, he talks about how bruised he is just from the fight from Hush, and she, he says, you're not Scarred at all. And she says, I am. And he's like, oh, well, I don't see it.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah.
3: it's all of her experience as the Slayer. It's not just physical. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I think this goes back to what Michael was saying before, too, that, like, the, the way that, like, we construct roadblocks when there doesn't need to be. Sure. Like, I think Buffy oh, is yeah. doing it to ultimately protect herself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because she and doesn't, I mean, she, so she's, Saying it's for him, like, I'm trying not to get you hurt, but she's also doing it because, like, she has a mechanism where she's like, I'm gonna get really hurt if something happens to him, or blah, blah,
2: blah. Right, I mean, it's no secret, as a prior guest on the show, that of all of the men that Buffy dates on the show... I think that Riley is, in fact, her best boyfriend. Uh I know know that he Uh may not be the best TV, but that's a different kind of
1: conversation. Colin. (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, I'm not a Riley fan. (laughs) You don't have to be a Riley fan. Well, no, that's that's not true. I enjoy Riley as a character. I don't enjoy Riley with Buffy.
2: No, but I, I I get that. I think it's sort of like what happens when what makes for good drama and makes for good television... Is not necessarily what is good for life. And I think of the men that no. she dates in the show, he is realistically the best person for her. But like he doesn't bring the drama that Angel does, and he right. doesn't bring the darkness that Spike does. Well,
0: I, I think but,
2: that I think that's true. And I think because
0: there's no other relationship where the show actually goes through the pains of saying what it takes for Buffy to let someone into her life. Right. Because when she's 17 and falling in love with Angel, like, it's just, like, a high school falling in love, no thoughts, right. no logic behind it. And to see Buffy be so rigorous about mm. allowing someone into her love life is actually really interesting. And I think part of it is, like, the reaction from Parker. Yeah. Like, how quickly she allowed Parker into her emotional world. And then how, between Angel and Parker we all would, I think, that situation kind of harden a little bit. Right. And we see that happen, um, and she doesn't, she doesn't ever have that with Spike, because they never really get into a relationship. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, like, archetypally speaking, like, if you were going from a classic literature angle, she is supposed to end up with Angel. Yes. But. Season 8. Angel would be a terrible person to end up in a relationship with. Right, because Buffy Buffy would die and Angel wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, of the three of them, uh, Riley didn't try and kill her or torture her friends or, I don't know, rape her, so right. there's that.
0: You're like, well, I kind of like Riley because he's not a murderer or a rapist, yeah. <laughs> and therefore...
1: Okay, but... the Okay, okay, wait. Wait, 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 wait. So by the rules of the show, this is the... I'm not someone who would defend this, but by the rules of the show, Spike was evil and trying not to be evil prior to the attempted rape. And we're supposed to buy that, like, a soul is a thing. Like, I'm a grumpy atheist, but, like, in the world in the world of the show, a soul is a thing. And if you don't have it, it makes you evil.
2: Sure, you know who had a soul? Warren did.
1: <sighs> okay,
2: right. I not know. Warren's <laughs> Warren a completely different subject.
1: Well, right, and so you can be evil and have a soul, but not right. having one makes you evil.
3: I'm just saying. It's the whole... Throughout Season 3, Buffy makes it very clear that everything Angel did, well, Angelus did, from... Innocence on Was not the same person Yes. Because of the lack of soul I Therefore made... Once Spike gets a soul Everything he's done Since becoming Spike As a vampire Is yes. not the same person yes. yes
1: That's that's my That's my only defense In the world of the show I think it makes sense yes. I get how That doesn't make sense In a real world discussion About If no. you're discussing and real it, people
3: And from her friend's point of view They never really yes.
2: But with Angel and Angelus, it makes sense because there's a a pure personality shift. But with Spike, Spike maintains the same attitudes, the same memories, the same... Yeah. Personality. Whereas when Angel becomes an he's got a totally different personality. So the problem with uh. S- the problem with Spike Both
1: these boys have their fingers raised at me. <laughs> no, but the problem with Spike like
2: being like a different person with a soul is he's got like all the same feels, and of course he did it for Buffy. But it's sort of like he did Well, you know
0: what's interesting?
2: And this actually does tie back to this episode because right. later
0: this is the episode where we find out that Spike's chip he's allowed to hit demons. Right. I feel like the show never actually wrestles with like Spike's conscience under a chip. Right. Because he's not really a good person. And and at one point, I think it's Willow, someone says, like, he's just basically an animal in a cage. Right. And he's not really a good person, even though he's fighting. It's just because I, like, I always keep in the back of my mind that Spike is only helping because he wants to hit things. Yeah.
2: And he's only allowed to hit demons. Wait, but he can't. Is it shown because I, I didn't do a full season revisit? Can he attack Buffy or no with the chip-in? Not can, until in season, season six, 6. After she dies, because she comes back wrong. But she's got demon blood as a slayer, so she should be able Correct. to... Correct. Yeah. I, he can't hit he her... He should be able
3: to. Yeah, but... he should be able to.
2: Thank you, Colin. I appreciate the fact that we recognize there's a loophole issue here.
3: Well... By the laws of, you can hit non-humans. But so I don't think that... I guess, I guess that... the demon blood isn't enough in her to trigger it. Because right. but... it depends...
2: Well,
0: it depends what triggers... The chip, does the is the chip triggered by fully 100% pure human blood or is it triggered by a soul?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because Demons and Myths wouldn't have a soul and Buffy would. But Buffy brought back to life would still have a soul. Do you know that? Are you a
2: soulologist? She's still like, considered human. Is she? I mean, I think. She's, she's... a zombie.
0: One thing, I, uh, speaking of Spike and world building, I do like the scene with him and Willow and Xander because it's the it's the one where he tells them like you're
2: Buffy's groupies and she'd be better without you. He's not wrong at this point in the show though. I no, mean, he's Willow, not wrong. Yeah, Willow eventually surpasses Buffy I think in terms of power, but Yeah.
3: Yeah. That happens
2: a long time later. Were you going to say something Colin?
3: No, I was just agreeing with you that it's it kind of foreshadows the whole Yoko Factor
1: episode. Which they do to the at the season's credit do kind of like consistently lay the groundwork for all of those insecurities. They do. I mean, I mean, oh
0: yeah. I mean, that's when we talked about in if fear itself, itself. Yeah, is but Willow saying, "I'm not, I'm not your,
1: I'm not your sidekick. sidekick."
0: That's the word she uses. I'm not your sidekick.
1: And then Buffy is like, "Well, your spells are 50 50 and Willow's so like, "So's your face." Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. So then, and I, so we talked about this a little bit before but i really appreciate how this episode kind of does what the zeppo does but for me a little bit better yes like i like that it's like another apocalypse that's also totally a side plot even though we're getting buffy's perspective it still is a side plot and like literally the whole like giles discovery is oh i had the thing they're looking for which is like very silly and buffy but for me that works and i'm like sure giles had it so okay. let's
0: jump into this, because I actually feel like this episode does the the, the end-of-the-world B-plot that you barely even know any of the details. I think it actually does it worse than the Zeppo Really? One. Yeah. Okay. I, I enjoy the Zeppo one more, because they play it up for comedy more. And this one, they really are, it feels to me too much like they're trying to make you believe in the stakes of the world is going to end.
1: Even though it's not a finale. (laughs) It's like
0: season 10 of, uh, it's episode 10 of season four. I'm like, I know it's not going to end. And so I really don't ever buy into it. And I also think that like they need the epicness in this epo to like counteract like Xander's tiny little story that's like, but it's a tiny little story that's the A plot backed up ironically okay. into drama by this really huge B-plot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there is, like, the strength of the A-plot here to do that. Right. Like, I think it's... A, I think that the overall metaphor of the episode is, like, Buffy and Riley think they're doomed, and so, like, the world is also doomed. I don't know. Because yes. I'm also trying to look for that, like... Oh, I totally can Wend- ask what it is. Wedonian Wend- metaphor. But I don't think that it... I don't ever actually think that it works. I think they could have had a villain of the week that wasn't an end-of-the-world thing and still... They could How have called I, up Ethan Rain. Or actually, he's in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could have had a villain of the week that was different and still succeeded. At that oh,
1: point. I uh, for me, for me, I like it. I I I like it because, and I know this is like I, this is like totally nitpicky, but I I like that it's the end of the world in the middle of the season, and like the end of the world isn't the end of this season. Right. Um, and I kind of like just switching it up because Adam isn't clearly isn't the end of the world. You know what I mean? Right. Like. Adam's a big battle for them, but not...
0: Well, I also agree in that, and I wrote a note about that, is that I didn't like it, but I also felt like it was part of season four's raison d'etre to, like, subvert all these huge stories.
1: And I I do really like that, like, because for me, The End of the World, not that I love the Adam arc by any means... But I like that it's like, oh, this big bad, and, like, literally, it just is a big fight. Like, of course, it's a hard fight for Buffy. They have to do the, like, spell to bring them all together. But for me, I like that it's like, oh, the big bad is, like, almost like a monster of the week. Like, you know what I mean? He's not... His plan, of course, is probably to take over the world, but he doesn't really have any, like... Um, it's not his Willow. His plan
0: is to create a race of people who look to like To take him. over the world,
1: right? Isn't that... Yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, with Willow, when she's evil, raising the the chapel to like end the world or like Angelus bringing a Cothla to end the world or in season one, the master rising to open the helm out to end the world. Like that didn't need to be always like it for me, a uh, Buffy fighting a big bad just as the big bad, like works without it having to be world ending. I don't know. Like that's always my argument with like a lot of superhero movies. Um Like every time the Avengers fight, I don't always need it to be, they need to fight because it's the end of the world. Sure. For me, it can be like, oh, they need to fight this monster who's like, like bad guy who has plans to do things, but not like, oh, well, if we lose this, the world yeah. is over.
0: Well, I mean that. I mean we've talked about this before too. It's like the difference between Avengers movies now or, or superhero movies now, and versus like when we grew up and it was like the Penguin just wanted to become the mayor. Of <laughs> that's, that's a manageable story in in two hours for Michael <laughs> Keaton to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't always need, a. I mean, and a lot of it has well, to do with, truth like... Well, the
2: Batman's not actually equipped to save the world. Right. You can, but, you can argue that all you want, but he's still a guy. Like, well,
0: I still think that, yeah. like, the idea is that all superhero movies now, even, like, if you watch the X-Men, like, the original X-Men of Magneto versus, like, what they put mm-hmm. out now. Like, right, exactly. A lot of it has to do with, like, post-9-11, because every super, single superhero movie is about, like, the destruction of a city. Yeah, And, sure. like, buildings falling down and everything, like, and that affected how the superhero genre movie went. And before
2: that, they were kind of, like more like Batman the Animated Series, like really cool tiny stories. Well, microcosm stories for characters of these natures, even though these characters are built to be large, Buffy is meant to be... Buffy is a superhero, even though she exists in a horror world. Yeah. She's constructed to save the world. Harry Potter is constructed to save all of mankind. The Doctor in Doctor Who is supposed to save all of time and space. But... the the stories to us who connect with the characters that have the impact are the microcosm stories because we already know the burden that they carry. So yes, Buffy has to deal with multiple apocalypses over the show to the point that it becomes a punchline. The Zeppo, it's a joke. Here it's a secondary plot. But what's a plot in Buffy that really hits home? The body. Joyce dying. That's something that we can connect to because despite the fact that she has the ability to save the world, She she can't save her mom. You're the, the, like, gonna cry. You, yeah, if you look at like David Tennant's arc on Doctor Who, like he can save all of time, but he can't save Catherine Tate's character because oh my god, some, yeah, because <laughs> because at the end of the day, Donna is all of us. Like yeah. you know, we all have to give up at some point, and I think that that's why a lot of superhero movies kind of lose their way because they think that audiences want the big scale. Yeah, yeah. But like, that's not it. It's like I mean, it is obviously. That's what makes it a space opera. That's what makes it an epic. That's what makes it a grand superhero story. But it's the little things. It's Tony Stark and Steve Rogers' friends falling apart. It's Buffy losing her mom. It's Donna never remembering her truth. It's you know, it's it's these little things. It's the fact that, you know, Kylo Ren has to kill Han Solo. It's that. It, those are the things that make us believe that there are real stakes because at the end of the day the world is such a big idea we can't wrap our mind around it
1: i mean you for me you just gave me everything i need for that i use in defense of iron man 3 for me that's why i really like that iron man movie because it literally is about like his company being like Mm -hmm. his house is blown up like there's no like end of the world but it's like affecting his world right and i really like that kind of story
0: me too um i never saw iron man 3 i heard it was about christmas <laughs> I love a good
1: Christmas movie. It gets Iron Man three gets shit on a lot, and I don't know why because I think it's actually no shit
0: on Iron Man two.
1: I think Iron Man two is fine. Like I think it's very fine. But I yeah, think Iron Man three that. is really good. Anyway, getting back to um, <clears throat> what's that Buffy? What's that Buffy? Is it Buffy? <laughs> Who is this? Who is this on Skype? Colin, is that you? <laughs> I
0: think so. Um, so yeah, I mean we have the final fight scene, uh, with the three demons.
1: Wait, wait, no, no, no. We skipped Spike trying to hang himself.
0: We did skip Spike to trying himself. to dust himself. Dust himself, right. And <laughs> Xander's concerned that he was going to dust his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful
3: shirt.
1: <laughs> I do like that whole thing. I like Spike having to wear Xander's silly clothes. Um, and I like... And, you know, Willow always has... And we've talked, we've talked about this before. Willow's oddly always even though she's the one that's been kidnapped the most by Spike, she's kind of always treated Spike like a human. Like, Xander's more worried about his shirt, but doesn't give a shit if Spike dusts himself. But Willow's like, no, we can't let him do that. Like... Right. Yeah. And for me, that's like, what I love about Willow. Even though, like, she, even more so than Xander, has every right to be like, fuck him, let him do... Like, let him kill himself, whatever. He tried to bite me a million fucking times. Um... But yeah, I really like that Willow's the one that's like, no, we can't. Right. Because isn't that why they end up bringing him, just because of that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think
3: it it contributes to something that Buffy does more, and in Angel it's a lot more shown. That it's not black and white, like good and evil. That even though Spike is still technically evil, he's harmless now to them, so Willow doesn't see him as a threat. So she's like, we can't just kill him, he's... yeah. He's harmless.
1: I mean, I do. I do always say. I think that's the one thing Angel did one hundred percent do better is like make it not so black and white. Yeah. Um, and then so, so I was looking at the wiki, and it said that. Which I did. Anyone else notice this when they go to the school to stop the demons? That you see the Amy Madison statue, cheerleader yes. statue.
3: Yes, but they don't actually like show that she's still alive. Just like staring at dead mayor.
1: I I feel like I I didn't I missed that.
3: No, I, I've seen it. I saw
1: it. Do they yeah, like, It's
0: just like in the background. I was like, long do long they pick
1: that. it up? Like, I don't even...
0: No. no. It's there. It's recognizable, but they don't pay attention to it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know it was there. Hmm. Hmm. Um,
3: also, you know, talk about when Giles tells them that they're going to open up the Hellmouth. He then pauses and is like, the one in the library?
1: <laughs>
3: like, <laughs> I know there's other Hellmouths, but... All of these demons are in Sunnydale, so I don't think they're, like, hopping on a flight to Cleveland. (laughs) Right. Is Cleveland the only other established
2: one, or do we know there's one elsewhere? I mean, we know there's more than one, but Cleveland's the only other named one. I think so. I think Cleveland's the
3: only other one in the U.S. That's the only only one one dropped in the show. I think in the comics they talk about other ones. Yeah.
1: I think. I can't remember. Um, I
3: assume there's one in Rome.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Under the Vatican. I'm calling you up. (laughs) (laughs) Here on this podcast, you heard it first. My calls TV out writer folks. calls out. <laughs> <I hope.
1: laughs> Wouldn't it be the first time? <laughs> um, also, I mean, I mentioned this already, but I love Giles saying it's the end of the world and everyone being like, again. Mm-hmm. Like, I like... That was
0: one of the quotes on the Buffy DVD case when you bought it for this
3: season. <laughs> right. I had
0: quotes from all the episodes. That was one of the
1: quotes <laughs> on the DVD case. Um, and like, like I said, for me, I like that it's like, Giles is looking, and he's like, oh, I have this. And then the demons are there, then they beat him up, and they take it. For me, that works. Like, right. That just all works for me, because I don't quite care, but I like that they're mixing it up and having the end of the world happen ten episodes in. Right. Um,
3: that, that's well, also that not the first time Giles has done that. Right. Didn't yeah. he have the orb of Thestula just as a paperweight?
1: Yes. yes, <laughs> Because Giles... Er, yeah, because Angelus broke Jenny's and then Giles yeah, had one. Like, oh, I have this one lying around. Yeah. Worry. As a paperweight. Yeah.
0: It also isn't the only time that like Giles or someone has been like secretly the person who they're going after. It's like a very classic plot yeah. thing. And it's nice that they can cut it in, if that they can fit it in even though it's like the B plot. And there's yeah. only like, there's only really like three scenes that establish what the demons are trying to do. <laughs>
1: right. I have to say these demons feel more vicious. Which I guess works because we just had Hush, which is like, for me, the most horror y demons. And then these demons seem like pretty brutal compared to other demons on Buffy. I also
0: want to say the reason I like the plot more in the Zeppos, because it's the Sisterhood of Jay, and they are badass, howling women demons. <laughs> <laughs> and they are here to tell Sunnydale that time's
2: up. <laughs> For
0: it. <laughs> I don't know that it's
1: time's up, more like we're going to end the world. Because time's up. Oh, like, speaking,
2: of, <laughs> speaking of timely things, though, and Hush, featuring Doug Jones, who was just in Academy Award nominated motion I know.
1: picture, I know.
2: The Shape of Water.
1: And this An is amazing where I think. And, he, and he's in like two other Buffy episodes. This is where I
2: just throw a smoke bomb down and run out of the
1: <laughs> Listen, Mitch, I knew that. <laughs>
2: it's, my, it's my Robin exit. <laughs>
1: Um, so then we get the fight we get Spike learning that he can fight um, I appreciate that oh. I well, like him I mean, being appreciate excited.
0: that it is a huge moment in Buffy history well no I
1: mean I like the moment I think it's a good moment like I like him like
0: well because you can see he's kind of like I guess I just have to sit here and take this beating yeah because there is nothing I can do right but I feel like he's into it
1: oh me yeah. bottoming he's, <laughs> taking that, he's taking that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> are on a live
0: podcast, <laughs> there are children who listen to this podcast. Are there? No.
1: Colin, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: no, I
2: listen to your podcast. <laughs> Colin is a pure soul. Do you
0: Colin. Say Colin, Colin
1: is very pure.
2: I'm not. I'm darkness itself.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I also love Spike throwing the demon into the hole, thinking he's helping. Yeah. i um, helping.
1: Also, that... It's the, they never really do a good job I mean in season 7 they do but like it doesn't make sense season 7 as opposed to like literally she goes in the hell mouth in this episode and it doesn't like it's just like a giant hole that doesn't end
0: I don't I mean she could be going into that cavern cavern or something right? but
1: the way we saw it in season 7 was you kind of had to go down some steps and like yeah. well she could be going
0: in not through the steps part she could just be going into a random hole that leads into the cavern Oh. Rock and roll. There's several ways to access a cavern. There's
1: several ways to access a hole. <laughs> well, if there's <laughs> one thing you've learned on this trip, oh,
0: <laughs> but also when Spike, it is a really nice moment because when Spike gets hit with falling debris from the ceiling, Xander's the one who comes in to help him. Yeah, yeah. And she and you can admit Xander has a nice moment.
2: I know. Remember when Xander had two eyes? ha. <laughs>
0: That's Michael! Your response to everything. You're like, this is foreshadowing when Xandra loses a fucking eye. Yeah. And every time
2: we bring up Xandra, just like, this is foreshadowing when he's blind as a fucking bat. Xandra deserves everything that happens to him over the course of the show. <sighs> well, I do like at the end that we. Have, anyway. That we have, and no one disputed that. Though. That we get Buffy and
0: Marley reconciling, and I think we've talked about this before. But I think the balls poster
2: in Riley's room is my favorite prop in Buffy history. I just appreciate that at this moment... I didn't even notice that. There's a pun coming. It's in every single episode
0: where where Riley's in. It's in Initiative. It's in Hush. It's just a poster that says balls on it. And then it's a picture of all different types of athletic balls. Including like an eight
2: ball, a baseball. Um... I just right. like that they worked out their differences and <laughs> that, Riley, that Riley and Buffy are taking the initiative wow. to make
0: a ah,
1: there he goes. Wow. There she is.
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> either, neither one of them are really that good. No.
1: I like Ruffy as like, I feel like that's what I would have named my dog when I was like five. <laughs> Ruffy. Ruffy the, this is
0: Ruffy. Ruffy the Vampire Slayer, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, her, and then you have two cats with her, like Meowlo and, and Mander. Uh, uh, no, um, no, I'm no. so upset right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so is it time to grade the episode?
0: And then a Sphinx cat named Xander Hairless. <laughs> God. I, I would give a cat named Akathla. I'm taking it back to season two. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> is it time to talk about our favorite things?
0: Yes, because I have a favorite outfit. I'm just I have a favorite outfit too. Is it Willows with the. um? Nope. Oh, I like it with Willow's cat t-shirt and her little parka with the fit faux. Oh, fur you love right? her parkas. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, that little parka right.
3: is so good.
1: Is that the same one as she she wears or one like it, right, earlier?
3: Right. I think it's like she wears a lot and jackets. it's one of my favorite visual puns when Oz has it on cuz it's a sheepskin um, jacket. A so wolf and sheepskin. sheepskin.
1: <laughs> oh. All right, Girl. so Matthew told us his favorite outfit. Colin, and Michael what's? Michael agreed with me. And yeah. Michael agreed. Colin, what's your favorite? I
3: I like seeing Spike not in his goth outfit. Oh. However, I will give this to Riley. He looked really good in this episode. You're damn right. And particularly you. in his commando outfit. He like always at looks like well, the fight looks, when he's playing paintball.
0: He always kind of looks like a, uh, like a catalog for that store. What's that store? J. Crew.
1: J. Crew. Yeah. I was like, not Abercrombie. He's not no, sexy was, enough. But he like, he always looks
0: like a J. Crew catalog. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very bland. Um, My favorite outfit is actually...
0: Xander in a tank top.
1: Is Xander's <laughs> jacket that he wears when they go to the school. His, like, nylon bright... It's, like, purple and red. I love it. I, to judge
2: us with
1: that. I would wear that... Michael, you're rude. I would wear that jacket right now if I could. <laughs> um, Favorite scene, gentlemen? Michael, you go first. Uh,
2: Favorite scene... Um, honestly, I have to say that it's when Buffy and, uh, Riley meet in the cemetery only because you kind of get the dynamic of what's going to happen later when they do that whole sequence in a future episode where they're training together and she takes the shit out of him. All right. Uh, and I appreciate that.
0: I'm going to say the opening scene where Buffy and Riley
3: have, like, have their, really. The first to me, like really authentic interaction. Colin, uh, I also really like the opening, but since it's already been taken, I'm going to go with when Giles finally admits that it is the end of the world, and Buffy's like, "I told you this."
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, it's a tie between them, the end of the world again, and the opening scene because I really love that opening scene. That's a great scene. Um, so what do we think Dawn would be doing if she were in this episode?
0: So I, as usual, have constructed (laughs) a scene. She's got a plot. No, I think that, like, when Buffy and Riley have that Fry Cooks conversation, that they would have had Dawn there, because that's what would have made Buffy and Riley have to speak in code. Right. But she couldn't have said Fry Cooks, she would have had to say something else. Right. That, like, would have made sense to Dawn, like... You and I are both fans of ice cream, mm-hmm. but I come from a long line of people who
2: like ice cream, and Don's like, yeah, I like ice cream too. Honestly, I feel like season four, and this is like just a easy way to excuse myself out of trying to construct the <laughs> sequence of this... But, like, when you're in college with your college friends, how often is your little kid sister who is still in junior high going to be around? So I just assume, uh, I just assume that Don is with Joyce wherever Joyce
0: Matthew, is. Matthew, she's not, is not
1: playing in. fair. She's not
2: playing the game, but it's okay. Because when you're on,
0: when you're on a TV show, you find a way. Mr. Feeney <laughs> found a way. Right.
2: <laughs> Mr. Feeney was also the voice of the car in Knight Rider. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have to contribute to this. Don't try to
1: swerve.
2: You know what Don was doing? She was wishing Xander was dead. (laughs) She she was not. She had a
3: crush on him. Colin, (laughs) (laughs) although maybe because he wasn't noticing her now that he was with Anya. Oh, true.
1: True. Colin, what do you think? What do you think? Uh,
3: Don secretly followed them to the school because she wanted to see what the burnt-out school looked like.
1: Mm. And they had to save her from it. Yeah. Oh!
3: Oh my God! Wait, Colin, I'm going to build
0: on that. This is good. Okay. Dawn follows them to the school, and Spike learns that he can defend demons because he wants to defend Dawn. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay, that's adorable.
1: Great, that's my answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, Alright, everyone, <laughs> grade. Good answer, Ian. Michael?
2: A to F, what do you grade that episode? In terms of episodes, I would say this is probably a C+, plus Ooh, because harsh. it does not necessarily have the strong A plot B plot. But uh, I do think that it is a, uh, it is a serviceable character episode,
3: which every series needs. Colin, uh, I'd go with probably B minus. Okay, it, it gives a lot of like foreshadowing from a lot of plots. Yeah, but it it doesn't. I don't know. I guess when you're coming off a of push it's not really.
1: Yeah, you know. yeah.
0: Matthew, I'm gonna say B minus. I think that it's. It has a lot of strength in its own right, and it's obvious, it's actually, the more you look at it, a very pivotal Buffy episode for the whole series, a lot of things happen. Sure. But it's end-of-the-world plot is too too thin for me.
1: While I spent most of the time saying I liked it, I'm giving it a B-minus as well. Um, <laughs> Alright, gentlemen, thanks for listening, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Slayerfest X98. And if you want to follow Matthew, it's at Matthew Rodriguez. One want. T, a G, and a Z. And
0: if you want to follow Ian, you can follow me at Ian Carlos mm. and Colin Ma.
2: Colin. I am at C Smith03. <laughs> and you can follow me at Michael Verati, that's V as in Victor, A-R-R-A-T-I. And of course I'm going to plug my podcast, which is Dead for Filth, where each week we talk about The Queer Relationship to Horror, please join us. Thank you.
1: And you should listen. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.
2: Bye.